All right, everyone, welcome back to Purple Friday for Live from the Hammock. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone, first and foremost, to everyone. Um, uh, you know, of course, this uh, this football week has been um, definitely taken over by the uh, tragic accident of Damar Hamlin. We'll, we'll touch on that first, obviously, Monday Night Football. Um, they, they have been, you know, marketing this for the last few weeks. Uh, with the Bengals coming on and the Bills, you know, being around, I think, uh, close to first place, uh, or at least battling for a, at least a spot, the uh, uh, number one seed. This was going to be like, there's a billing this as the, the game of the regular season, potentially the game of the season, period. Uh, they were kind of hoping it was going to be the uh, kind of the Kansas City Chiefs-Bills playoff matchup from uh, in the playoffs last season. Um, but obviously, that did not happen because in the first quarter, DeMar Hamlin um, it's on a tackle with T uh, tackles T Higgins um, and T Higgins helmet kind of you know in a routine looks like a routine play routine tackle um, you know hits Demar Hamlin in the chest and Demar Hamlin gets knocked down gets back up kind of shrugs it off and then immediately just collapses on the field um, I know as I was watching it um, I, I just thought it was regular like another like oh could get a concussion or you know something happened whatever you know got his bell wrong and. You know, they kept going, I don't know, for about five or seven minutes. And I just, the commercials kept coming back on. And it was like, they, a lot of times they weren't, a couple of times they weren't saying anything. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So it was like, okay, what's going on here? And it wasn't until Joe Buck said that they were administering CPR to uh, Hamlin on the field that it was like, I mean, it got real. Like you could hear like a pin drop in that state. It was super quiet. Um, they showed even um, the Buffalo Bills players were just like, Josh Allen's face, like in shock. Um, Tredavious White, like in just in tears. Um, and uh, one of the uh, people that was, I guess, at the game uh, that worked either for the NFL for one of the teams said that uh, they didn't show it on TV. But the reason why you saw the players the way they did is because they actually had to take, uh, they had to cut, then. Uh, take off and cut cut away his uh, shoulder pads to administer CPR and to a defibrillator on the field. Uh, so that site, I'm pretty sure, was like, oh, this isn't the normal, you know, he got a concussion and he's just knocked out kind of thing. Um, it shook everybody. I think it shook the NFL world. It shook um, people who may not even really care about sports. I mean, I'll give a lot of credit to um, Scott Van Pelt, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Ryan Clark, especially for uh, and Lisa Salters for handling the way that they did. I mean, you're, I don't think you're trained as a journalist when you're doing these sports events to handle something that could potentially be a, uh, a, a, a somebody dying on the field, you know, handling that kind of event. Um, and then, I mean, they said that um, they had to, he was, he had no pulse on the field. And then they got a pulse and they put him on the ambulance to take him to the hospital. And apparently he, uh, lost, they lost the pulse again when he got to the hospital um, and had to revive him one more time. So um, it was just a very, very just surreal kind of experience. And um, it kind of, I think, I know, you know, sometimes we get jaded watching football um, and realize, you know, how violent this game is. But that was the moment I think people realized how, how, how violent this game can be. You know, it's, They've said, we've heard some many times where players have died, not necessarily in the game, but, you know, in practice fields and 
um, in other situations too, whereas, you know, these guys are, you know, hitting each other, colliding each other with such force and such speed. Um, it's kind of a remark, it's remarkable that it doesn't happen more often, to be honest with you. Uh, but it was, it was, it was nice to see the outpouring of support from the NFL and other sports organizations, not even in football, um, supporting the Bills. And then, you know, I think uh, Hamlin's uh, charity got like, I, last time I looked, it was like close to $7 million, I think, in donations. Um, and it was, I think it was one of those moments where it's, I know it's the, it's the new year, but I think then with the society the way it is and the world seeming like it's falling apart and burning and there's a war going on, Ukraine and Russia and everything else, it, it felt really good that like a humanity had kind of won the night that night. Um, and then it came out that um, the NFL was preparing the teams to go back out there. I think we had all heard that would like they gave them what five minutes to warm up and go play. And credit to um, Scott McDermott and Zach Taylor, um, the coaches for the Bengals, the Bills and the Bengals respectively, um, for you know going to their sidelines and looking at their guys and telling them these guys aren't ready to play football right now. You know, it would have been one thing if a guy got concussion and you know maybe came to and gave a thumbs up and you know or you know the like towards acl or something like that and they got carted off but they knew he was going to survive but seeing that on the field and then having to go back out there and play a football game when all they were worried about was you know is he alive you know they would they would have been in the ambulance they didn't know if he was going to be alive or dead in the next 24 hours so credit to the coaches for sticking up for their team and their players and deciding that i think it was more important for the players to to, I guess, understand the moment they were in, to deal with it, grieve if they needed to, talk to each other. Um, and I think that was a, that, a lot of people saw that as more as a turning point, I think, for a lot of, uh, for the NFL and for the players. Sometimes we forget, you know, these guys aren't robots. These guys are human beings. They do have emotions. They do have, well, some of these guys are, they play with their their uncles to their kids and godparents to their kids and all kinds of stuff. So I mean, it's uh, it's a brotherhood for sure out there. And uh, I think it was very important to acknowledge what had happened, and um, it at least shows that I think society as a whole and looks at it like you know what we get, we I think it's important to stop looking at these athletes as just guys that entertain us and as, as human beings. So what was you know what did you what did you guys? I guess. How did you guys deal with <laughs> deal with all that happening on Monday night? Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was tough to watch, man. I mean, it's just such a different range of emotions. I mean, you go from you know the beginning of the game in the first quarter, um, you know, this Ravens podcast that <laughs> that you do, and you're looking at the game because you're trying to make sure the Bengals lose. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's right. kind of all you care about, and then. Next thing you know, they march down the field, score quick. Bills come back, get stopped, scores three points. And then now, you know, you're up and down, but in a different way. And then out of nowhere, you know, we see the T. Higgins tackle. T. Higgins get tackled by Hamlin. And I saw it live. Like, you know, and my, my girl don't normally watch the game with me, but she was sitting right there and she was watching too. And she was like what's going on like did he flop like what i was like nah like that that's that doesn't normally happen and you know the first thing that we go to you know just as being football fans um we we think like concussion we don't we don't think like 
worst case scenario. We think like he had a concussion. I mean, it was kind of like the Tua thing, even though he didn't lose consciousness, you know? So the way he just kind of sat back and, and passed out, it was kind of like, wow, like it, football is no longer <laughs> a thought at this point. And now everyone's just kind of concerned for this young man. And um, I think, you know, watching that was tough, obviously. But the thing that got me, um, besides just the length of time that he was on the ground, and this is before they even announced that CPR was going on and, and everything like that, um, the commentator mentioned after they got an update while he was still on the field, um, they said they were they were working on him. So before he actually mm-hmm. specifically said CPR, he just said they were working on him, and that's when I was like, "Wow, that 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 doesn't sound good," because the fact that the ambulance was already on the field and remained on the field for like almost up to up to nine minutes or however long, you know, that tells you that this was indeed a life or death situation and um you know at that point you know you just can't turn the channel because everyone's just kind of sitting there hoping that the inevitable what it seemed like at the time didn't happen because it didn't seem like there was a something good that was going to come from that situation it was super scary and the unknown was just like you know it just had me glued to the tv because it's one of those things where the the longest the longer this is on is like the the, the worst the chances could have been just from a from an onlooker but you know for him being on the field that long and then uh finally getting loaded into the ambulance and, and then getting all the details after the fact i mean the nfl definitely got this right as far as canceling the game i mean I'm not going to shoot him that much bail because I feel like the decision took a little long, if you ask me. But, I mean, I do understand at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of dollars associated with this. This is an unprecedented situation. But, you you know, I think going forward, it won't even be a question. If something of this magnitude happens, like even if it, you know, they may just have, you know, this this may be just what it has to be because players aren't going to, you know, choose to play in that case and and when you mentioned um you know how how great the the organizations were and, and the coaches and um the Bengals coach going over to McDermott and and discussing you know what they wanted to do and McDermott flat out like yo I, got, I gotta go to the hospital like this, I don't, this is not even a, a optional thing at this point it's not really a choice to be made I have to be there for my player and you know, we can all appreciate that. And, you know, they they went and, and the, like I said, the right decision was made, even though, you know, it just took a little bit long. But I understand with the magnitude of everything and, and all of that. And also the, uh, the Bengals fans. I mean, you got to appreciate them, too, because they kind of sat there in the stands the whole time. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about how I would have felt if I bought tickets to that game and maybe traveled and I got there. But they they didn't seem impatient or anything. Everyone was just kind of legit concerned about this player. And, you know, every now and then, you know, the world will show you (laughs) how compassionate it can be in light of all of the cruel and and crazy stuff that goes on in it. So it was just one of those things. And um, now it being, you know, days later and we're getting reports that a lot of progress and things like that. Just one of those things where it's like, 
just 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 a blessed situation like it. I just hope you just keep keep progressing everything sounds promising and um this was kind of like a, a really really bad situation with kind of the best possible outcome so far and you know it, it, it was just super scary the next morning because you know we all went to bed that night not knowing anything right I think most of us thought we were going to wake up in the morning to some tragic news but thank god that wasn't the case so just yeah man just continue blessings to him and his family and uh bill's organizations teammates all of that and i'm just just happy that he's still with us and you know hopefully that's not anything any of us will have to have to witness or you know view um again and um just the very last thing just because it stuck out to me also was the fact that his mom was at the game and actually was in the ambulance with him as he was going back to the hospital you know the fact that they had to work on him in the ambulance as well to resuscitate him for yeah. you know a second time or whatever the case may be while his mom is there it's like you can't even really phantom like what that will feel like so like I said best, best possible outcome it's definitely a super traumatic experience and you know that that family's gonna go grow you know way stronger because of it um and just glad that he's he's okay yeah i'm i'm glad you ended with that trey because that was like my thought process too um because when i was watching the game um i came i didn't see the um actual play live i think I went to the bathroom and then I looked at my phone. You all say something and I immediately ran to the TV. So when I when I got a glimpse of it, it was when they were going back and forth. And, um, you know, it was starting to get concerning. And when I realized what was going on, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is like, like, please let this man make it. The second was, you know, as a parent, like, and with the son that plays football, you know, soon to be stepson that may want to play football, just how scary this is. And so I was thinking about, you know, what his, you know, when they, they said his mom was in the stands, I was just like, I can't even imagine what she's going through, you know, rushing down there, seeing steps like that, that. That feeling is unnerving. So like my prayers went out to her and I was just hoping that everything would just work the best way it can, because it's scary. And it, you know, I text my fiance and I was just like, you know, kids to play football anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and, and this comes from somebody who played football for a lot of their life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I was really feeling just too scary and this, you know, former football player, a diehard football fan, you know, it was just so scary. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm so impressed with the coaching, the coaches, like McDermott, I'm so impressed. Like the humanity, the humanity that they show because coaches don't get a lot of credit for the humanity they show their players. They kind of get bundled in with the NFL as we don't care about players and things like that. But these coaches truly had the humanity 
about what was going on with this young man, an opposing coach and his actual head coach, and to see the players just come together like that. Like, after they called the game, the again, they were holding each other tight. You know, they were totally in tune with each other, and that was just beautiful to see um, because everybody realized that this is bigger than the game. This is our brother. Whether he's on, on our team or not, this is our brother in this league. He's a human, and we care about him. And I think that was the positive takeaway um, in such a dark situation. Um, but, you know, I hope he continues to see, like, great improvement. Like, I would I would love to see a full recovery. I'm not even thinking about if he ever plays again, but just to live a full life. Um, you know, I, I just pray that that is the outcome for him. And, you know, um, circle back to what Miles said about the donations. Um that that just made me have full faith in humanity. Yeah. Just saying how many people donated to that, like, and how fast it happened. Like, it was literally like minutes after, you know, people uncovered his toy drive and the donations started rolling in. So, all that to say, you know, I'm just praying for him as a human. Um, I could care less if the game gets rescheduled. Um, I know there's this bigger implication at stake, but I'm just glad this guy's doing okay. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, I think people forget, uh, what was it? What was it? The Bills, like last year. Um, didn't they donate to somebody last year? I can't remember. If somebody got hurt, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I can't, some, I can't remember either, but yeah, it was something they donated to that person's uh, cause or whatever the case may yeah. be um, after their injury. Yeah. Bill's fans earlier this year when Tua got hurt donated to Tua's um, um, uh, charity too. So Bill, Bill, I, I think that as, as crazy as football fans can be, I think that we understand sometimes it's tragic. Again, you don't want it to happen that way, but sometimes you got to be reminded that, you know, we're all on this planet together. You know, we got to be here together. So the best thing we can do is love one another and care for one another. That's like the best thing you could do. Um, and a lot of like you, like you guys said about um, his mom, like imagine like, so we, she wasn't getting any of the, the news feed and anything else like that, that we were getting. She was in the stadium. So she's looking at the, the big screen on the Titantron or whatever and looks down and she doesn't know what's going on. I'm pretty sure people were blowing up her phone. She probably got alerts from ESPN or something saying Demar Hamlin is getting getting CPR in the fields. Like she had no idea what the hell was going on. I guarantee you, she didn't know what was going on. So just to go from zero to a hundred like that for for her, because I think she goes to most of his games, um, at least the home games. So I can yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, you know, like you said, as a parent now, me as a parent too, is that was jarring. I, you know, it's it's. I think you know we get like this when when I think when the CTE stuff came out, at least with the scandals and. Um, the payouts and stuff, and uh, I know it was a, a freak accident. From what our doctors say, it's a if a direct hit to the chest can cause this kind of, you know, heart issue. Um, I mean, we've seen for the last few years a lot of parents pull their kids out of football because of CTE scares. Um, so I mean, it's 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 a violent sport. I don't think it's going to be one of those things that the people that are going to want to play are going to play. Um, it's just because and only reason because it's like because of the, the potential how much you know it's it's this is like generational you know life change like family changing kind of money kind of wealth 
for, for these players. So uh, if they have a shot to take mom, take dad, take, you know, brothers and sisters or our kids or whatever in a better situations, um, you know, and football is kind of that only vehicle to do so. I think there's going to be still see some people that do that. Um, but um, I will say somebody brought up a, a post, I think, in our group chat. Uh, one of the Cleveland, uh, I think, football shows that they have. And uh, one of the guys on there made a good point and said what's not being talked about is, um, you know, this guy, DeMar Hamlin, is only playing the league for two years. You know, he's depending on his recovery and rehab and uh, how this is going to affect the rest of his life. He could need care for, you know, con constantly. And, you know, how the healthcare system is in this country. Healthcare is very expensive. Um, and he was kind of going over, like, in the last few years, in the last CBA agreement, uh, there was uh, players who were either retired or whatever injury disability um, before the before the CBA agreement were, were I think for, allowed like forty four thousand dollars a year or something like that for like healthcare costs, and then after the new CBA agreement, it knocked it down to like six thousand. So it was like under all of this, and like you said, Trey, we don't want to you don't want to you, you give them credit for not you know for for ending the game and not having to resume it you know based on the circumstances but underneath all of that there's still this underlying issue with a lot of the cta cte payments from that scandal have not been paid out to the um uh to the players they've had several players file the the proper paperwork and still have not received their the money for that they need for their care um the, the fact that um you know for a lot of these guys the healthcare um, as long as you're playing for them, you get top-notch healthcare. But as soon as you're done playing, uh, especially if you're vested in the team, you know they could care less about you. So it's—I'm not saying you gotta give healthcare to every every single player that comes across your team, but it's one of those things where if you put the time in and put the work in, uh, at some point they should have some kind of extensive healthcare plan for this team. So I think that I'm hoping the NFLPA is looking at all this. Um, because you know, Demar Hamlin's situation because of how front facing it is, I'm pretty sure the NFL is going to make sure that he's taken care of, however, how long that may be. But there are plenty of other players that have you know season ending, career ending injuries that they have to deal with for the rest of their lives. And you know, we hear on Twitter and other stuff about players, uh, Laurent McClain for the Ravens, for example, I think reached out to either the NFL or former players about him struggling because he had uh, health issues. Or CTE issues or something. Um, so it's still that's still an underlying issue. Um, but I mean, obviously, that's going to have to be something that's going to be brought to the bargaining table, the next CBA agreement. But um, before we move on to the Ravens, you know, um, Demar Hamlin is he's awake, he's responsive. They they are he is moving his limbs and um, he can't really talk right now because he's got a breathing tube. Um, in his mouth but uh, he is communicating by writing he's been writing on like a notepad and stuff like that so um, that that that's I think a really good sign I mean there's a long way forward for him I'm pretty sure um, re re recovery wise but the fact that he's already, he's still he's still alive he's got his faculties about him it seems like he knows where he is you know he, he knows he plays he plays for the Buffalo Bills like he knows all that stuff so that for cognitive issues for brain issues I think that's good now we'll see about you know language and speech and some other things going on but um i hope the buffalo bills and the nfl make sure they take care of him and um but yeah just shout out to the nfl fans sometimes we we get sick of each other <laughs> um mm -hmm. 
sometimes, especially in the stands and throw beer and fight each other. But when when it, when it comes down to it, you know, begin, like I said, beginning of the new year, I think we meet, it was a nice reminder that we can still be kind to one another. You know, it's, it's possible, you know. Hopefully it doesn't take a tragic incident to, you know, for it to occur. But right. Um, on to the Ravens. Uh, <laughs> Ravens lose to the Steelers at home. Sunday night football, sixteen to thirteen. Uh, typical Ravens Steelers game, back and forth, back and forth. Um, Kenny Pickett wins, uh, throws a, a nice pass to Najee Harris. Uh, for the game-winning touchdown, ended up being a game-winning touchdown, and then Tyler Huntley comes down the field, trying to answer, but throws a game-sealing interception. Um, I mean, it's what can we say at this point, right? We haven't seen all season. Uh, the the Ravens defense, as good as it played all game, gave up gave up a game-winning touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, Ravens offense can't muster, get down the field. Uh, it feels like a lot of times they get to the 45 or 35 yard line and the offense just can't seem to do anything. Like it's just, if it's not for penalties or anything else, they can't seem to get into the red zone. And then and then when they do get in the red zone, they can't score touchdowns. So it's, uh, what I took away from the game on, my, on Sunday night was the Steelers have a passing game that when they needed to, they got the receivers and the talent to make plays in a passing game. The Ravens don't. That was the difference. The difference in that game, the catch by Pickens, the catch by Stephen Sims, um, those were the differences in the game that led them down the field to score that game-winning touchdown. The Ravens, on the other hand, we we knew if they gotta get if they gotta if it's under two minutes and they don't have any timeouts, which they didn't have, and they have no timeouts, they can't run the football. They 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 gotta throw the football, which is the the worst part of their game. So, um, the thing that got me though after the game. Uh, either Monday or I think post game, and Harbaugh said, "Yeah, you know they asked him about Gus only getting three carries in the entire game, and he's like, yeah, you know I, we got I, I didn't like that, you know that's got to get fixed. You know, got after he gets his carries, and I'm like, dog, you're a head coach. I know that you can if you want a snap count or something like that during the game. I'm pretty sure there's somebody that can get that for you, and you can find out." Hey, what's the stats real quick? How many carries does Gus have? Oh, he's only got two. Let's make sure he gets the, gets the ball some more, okay? Like, it, it really feels like to me that on game day, the coaches don't talk to one another. Harbaugh doesn't talk to Greg, and Greg doesn't talk to um, Mike McDonald, and Mike McDonald doesn't talk to Harbaugh. Like, he kind of just lets them do their own thing, and Harbaugh just sitting there calling timeouts and making challenges. That's all he does. And Lamar's not out there, so you can't ask him to go for it on fourth down. So I'm like, I'm sitting here like, well, what is it that you, what is it that you do? And we're seeing this now, and and this is a game that was winnable. The Ravens dominated, were winning the entire game. Even Najee Harris, like, look, Najee Harris ran for his life in that football game. That man was getting hit at the line of scrimmage and taking three, four guys with him, four or five yards up the field. Uh, he looked like Najee Harris from last year. Um, he he was. I think the the Steelers were upset that the Ravens ran 200 yards on in that last game. And they did the exact same thing to the in this game. Um, it's it's also a shame that Calais Campbell uh, being hurt for this game, and the Ravens at once he's down, all of a sudden the Ravens can't stop stop the run. All of a sudden, and I think that's my main one of my main issues for this team is the the Ravens are so 
reliant on one player on each side of the ball that if one of them gets hurt, everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. You look at, they showed the statistic for Lamar Jackson. When he's in the game, the Ravens average, was it 28 points a game? 28 points. Close to 30 points a game. And when he's out of the game, it's 18. They can't even score 20 points. But that's a big difference. And we saw with Calais Campbell, we've seen it it the last season, the last couple seasons. When Calais Campbell has been out, look at those rushing stats from the opposing team. The Ravens, for some odd reason, cannot fill that void that Calais Campbell has. And a lot of that, part of that is roster construction. You have 35, 36 year old guys as your top defensive linemen, as your edge rushers. Uh, you got Marcus Peter with a bad ACL. You got all these guys with either injury issues or old, old guys in premium positions. They're going to get hurt during the season. They're going to get banged. They're banged up. They've been playing the league for over 10 years. Like they, they're going to get banged up. And that's, I think, the issue is that. The Ravens, they don't have a they don't have a plan B, right? There's no plan B. They're hoping we have all of our starters, right? All of our starters are in the game. If they're not in the game, then we're we're going to lose. We're just going to suck. We saw what happened with Marlon Humphrey last year. When once Marlon Humphrey went down, that entire secondary fell apart. Once Marlon Humphrey went down, so I mean, it's watching the game. Look, I didn't get up or down about it. When they lost, I was like, okay, whatever. I went to sleep. I didn't. I didn't stew. I didn't sit up till like one o'clock in the morning, just angry. I was just like, whatever. They lost. I'm not surprised by this. And then they showed, I think, a clip of Najee Harris ripping Ravens fan uh, flag away from him, and you know, they were they were they were real. The Steelers fans were real hyped. I mean, Steelers players were really hyped up about winning that football game. Um, I mean, we'll make the playoffs. You know, they they need help to get in the playoffs. That's all I'm going to say. You know, they can. If that was their Super Bowl, then congratulations, you got your ring. You got to bring guys. Congratulations. But uh, what was your guys' take takes on the game? Uh, it was like a, you know, it's whatever. It's kind of how that's kind of how I was watching it. It was, it was, it was one of those. I think at one point in the game, I I think I texted the group chat and was like, I've seen this movie before, and it, it started to unravel towards the end as we kind of expected it to to happen. Um, as far as the offense, I mean, it was it was. It was a Greg Roman special. It was more of what we what we've been seeing the last few weeks. I mean, you know, uh, they did kind of like rely heavily on Mark Andrews. Uh, they did lean on J.K. a bit, but in crucial situations, they weren't able to convert. They they converted probably less than I think less than half of their third downs. We didn't get like those were game changing plays right there. I think what really did it for me was when um, Justice Hill made that crazy kick return all the way up to um, Steelers territory and we didn't get any points out of it. None. I think I think when I saw that, I said, okay. The game's over. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care what the score was. I'm like, I've seen this before. This is this is this is not good. Um it just there, there was nothing really positive whatsoever to take, you know, from this game. Najee and Jalen Warren went off on our defense and for us to be missing Calais Campbell like the fact that he's that valuable is a problem (laughs) we shouldn't have to need Calais Campbell that much to make that much of a difference for a team to run 187 yards on us it it makes no sense they ran the ball all night Um, and then on top of that Patrick Queen 
and Broquan kind of struggled getting off their blocks because they weren't getting any help from the interior de- defensive line. Mm-hmm. They had plenty of people running full speed at them the whole game. Patrick Queen over, over pursuing rushers. Um, Roquan was kind of not really having his greatest game, but I mean, you can't really blame him. He didn't have much help either. And Brandon Stevens, I mean, he he showed some flashes of some good plays, but then you know, it, it was the big plays where it was like, you know, almost doesn't cut it. Kyle Hamilton, it's hard to blame him. I mean, he was he was right there on that uh. On that um George Pickens that 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 crazy cat was that George Pickens that made that crazy catch across yeah, the middle across the middle oh he my god his fingertips <laughs> was right there he was almost on it so like plays like that we haven't been able to stop those in in, in second halves of football games all year long so like I said that it, it was pretty much more the same um you know the defense did you know get get pretty much dominated. But at the end of the day, they still only scored 16 points. So as much as I want to give the blame all to the defense, the offense still getting 50% of that blame because they can only muster 13 points. We couldn't even hit whatever the freaking average has been for the last several weeks. So the fact mm-hmm. that our offense can't put up more than 13 points, it's a guaranteed L every time. The fact that we're moonwalking into the playoffs right now, averaging about probably lower I think we were averaging what you said 18 now we're probably averaging 15 or something I don't know yeah like that's 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 not it's not good but it's it's like I said it's it's Greg Roman is is John Harbaugh you know he's at the point now where he's not even giving excuses anymore he's just telling us what it is (laughs) but at the same time not taking (laughs) accountability from week to week so it's kind of you know it is what it is like I don't I don't want to hear you come out and say we got to do better coaches got to coach better I don't want to hear that tell let us know specifically who got to do what better because it's only one offensive coordinator the last I remember it's only one head coach as far as the last time I remember so I I just think um you know it's it's just more the same it's a game that you know it would have been nice to to spoil the Steelers playoff chances ourselves but did I care about this game not really I didn't really care about it it would have been it would have been lovely to win but you know for them to let uh for them to let uh Kenny Pickett to come out there and 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 <laughs> and just pick you apart as if he was patching Mahomes or something at the end of that game it's it's inex- in- inexcusable uh, for the defensive side but as much as I'm mad at them our offense is just hard garbage. It just is what it is. We're we're a one trick pony, unfortunately. And um without Lamar, uh we ain't got no shot. So um Lamar, if he comes back, you know, the only plus to that will be our team will probably have a little bit more juice and you know, maybe we'll score a few more points. But I'm not counting on it, especially not this week. I doubt he I doubt he well he's definitely not playing this week. I don't he hasn't practiced still. Um and I would be at I'm almost moving to the point where I would probably be surprised if he plays the week after that for the playoffs. So I I'm actually at this point, that's kinda how I'm feeling the way this team has been looking. It's really no incentive <laughs> for me, who doesn't have a contract, to come back and and be a part of this. 
um, this mess that we see unfolding at the end of the at the end of the, at the end of the year like this. But um, that I mean, that's my take, man. I mean, I don't really have too much more specific detail because it's been the same story um, every week. Even the games we've won, it's kind of been the same story ever since Lamar went down. So, yeah, just just disappointing. Um, you know, I'll feel a little bit different uh, Sunday, I guess, because you know it's kind of like a reset. We get to we get to deal with this again. But for right now, it's just been a mellow week, man. Just just is what it is. Thirteen points. That's all I can say. Um. Yeah. Uh, so I went to the game. Um, <laughs> oh, um, and you know if you would have asked me at halftime how I felt about the game it's like alright you know what I expected the atmosphere had to been the greatest experience I've had in an NFL game ever I mean from the production they put on at the state to the energy with the crowd. I got my future mother-in-law to the right. She's a Steelers fan and I'm talking trash. Everybody's talking trash. It feels good. Even though she kept waving that daggone terrible towel, smacking me in my head. And then, <laughs> fell apart. Like, there were just so many, like, and I think it just stands out more seeing it in person. Like, what was it? What was the, um, I don't, I don't remember the down and distance, but we threw the most ill-advised screen. Oh, the Isaiah uh, the tight, the tight end screen. Yeah. That likely screen. That was terrible. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we got that great punt return. Was it a punt return or kick? No, kick return from Justice kick Hill. Return. Did kick nothing return, yeah. with it. Did nothing Dick. at all. Zero. Zero. We no, went back with that thing. Backwards, yeah, yeah. We went. I mean, we were in field goal position, and they they lost enough yardage, and I think they had to punt it. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. So terrible. Um, you know, the play calling is terrible. I mean, I think I was disappointed in how much rushing yards we gave up. It was it was rough to watch, but I can't put it all on like on us not having. Roquan Smith had a terrible game. That was his first yeah. bad game as a Raven. Like, yeah. I really have to see it up close, you know, and he was getting driven back time after time. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's a that's a block Calais Campbell eats because he's getting double teamed um, because they have to account for him. But Roquan was getting put, he was getting driven five yards, six yards back. He had a good amount of tackles. He had a lot of assisted tackles jumping on the pile. But he just wasn't the enforcer that he's been all year. So it was tough, but I could see the defense was tired. A lot of you all not. Um, early in the third quarter, they were gasping. Early in the third quarter. Like, hips, guys bending over. Like, they were gassed early in the third quarter. So by the end of the game, when, we, when they had four minutes, I wanted to text y'all and say, it's about to happen again. I wanted to, <laughs> like, I really did because I could feel it. But like, my service, my data was terrible uh, in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted yeah. to let y'all know, like, it's about to happen again. And 
I was just hoping for a play, and it was just it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> we got in that soft zone, and we got picked apart. And there was just a lot of there was just a lot of miscues throughout the game. But that last drive, like they just took us down time after time. And then you know that three finger miss miss sack. That's probably wrong. Oh for me to say. my! No, but, but it was true. It was true. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a funny part. Yeah, yeah. Like if he had those extra fingers, he would have made the sack. That's a tackle all day. <laughs> <laughs> he had his whole shoulder so, pad, bro. Yeah, I didn't put that together because like everything happened so fast, and I was watching Najee running open <laughs> the whole way. I'm just like, no. <laughs> who was going for the sack so yeah that we we had we played that soft zone so you know i can't i want to shoot the defense bail because at the end of the day you give up 16 points i'll take 16 <laughs> points a game in an nfl game any day but Usually, it's just yeah. not it, you just can't win with this offense doing that um and Mike McDonald has improved so much with his defensive play calling, minus the soft zone he runs. That's and the he nice. He's got to do something different, man. Yeah, but he adjusts. He adjusts otherwise throughout the throughout the game. He has a good feel. He he, he uh, covers up some of the myth that they have out there, um, and and they play really good defense. So I can't be overly mad. I can only be. How they handle these end of games, but they should never be in that position. They were on the field. What was it? Um, I can't remember how many minutes. It was thirty-four. Okay, I thought it was more. Thirty-four minutes. That's more than half of the game that they're on the field. Like that shouldn't happen in winning football. Like we should be came out with a long five minutes, six minutes, seven minute drive to close this game out and put it away. Not keep it out. There's no reason. A kick return should go to the what the 40 or 35 yard line on the opposing side's field. And then we get driven back out of field goal range on a three and out. You know, that that's not winning football. So I think what we're gonna see, Lamar's not coming back. That's the other thing I'm gonna add. He's not coming back. He was he was limping very on that sideline. I had my eye on him most of the game on that sideline because I wanted to come back here to y'all and be like, he was in this huddle, he was in that huddle. Right. <laughs> I was going to tell y'all how involved he was, and he was very involved, but him and Marcus Peters, it was like they were gossiping about the play calling. You know, that's just me, me just probably overthinking it, but it looked like every time there was a bad play call, they were they were gossiping about it. But Lamar was limping. Mm-hmm. He was limping. Like, it's not a light limp. Like, it's like fresh injury limp. So, I... I don't see a scenario where he's back for the yeah. not 100%. And and I've been I've been hearing like the whole thing about him wanting to uh not have to wear a knee protection to be 100% to come back. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see that happening. So, um all in all, I mean, I got to put it on the same people I've been putting Harbaugh, Greg Roman, EDC for not getting us the receiver, the receiving threats we need. Um but I mean, this is just what we have. I mean, I'm not. I don't have hope for the rest of the season. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's like you said, it's the same old song, right? And it was like, I mean, like you said, watching it live is one thing. Like, cause you get to see during the timeouts, these guys like hands on their hips and they're like bending over and stuff like that. Like, it's clearly they're they're gassed and you know, I was like, 
early in the season, we could definitely get on the defense for not doing its job. But I think, like you got, like you said, as as of late, they've been playing good football. But it gets it gets overshadowed because it's like, oh, they gave up the game winning touchdown. But like, yeah, but the Ravens had opportunities to put this game away. And they didn't do it. So and you're putting your your defense in a bind again in a situation where they've given up. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's a record or how many. 10 point 10 10 point leads they've given up now or something like that whatever um in this in a season but uh they doing a soft zone coverage and stuff but you know there were there's a couple of plays i saw kyle hamilton like there were some plays where it's like i'm like i think it, i can't remember who caught the ball it was either johnson or sims on the on the sideline and hamilton's just kind of guiding him into the to the sideline like he didn't try to tackle him or anything the guy got like another five or six yards i'm like tackle him what are you doing and it's like, and it, it comes back to me where it's like, you know, well, Kyle Hamilton, I think he's gotten better as the season has gone on. But you look at where he was drafted, 14th pick in the first round. You're expecting him to be the 14th pick to be playing like Palomalu kind of esque football, right? As a strong safety. He can't cover. He can't cover to say he can blitz, he can run blitz, he can do all that so he can play the run well. He can play stuff on the flats okay. But if he has to cover a tight end or wide receiver, he he's not – he can't do it. He just can't. Uh, and you look at Brandon Stevens, we expected him to take that next step forward, right? He still has the same, a lot of the same issues he had in his rookie season, not getting his head around. You know, he's he's involved in a lot of the plays. He's like, if he just gets his head around. I think um, – if it uh, there was that one play in the back of the end zone, he finally got his head around. I think I think it was to, to to Pickens, and it was in the corner. He finally got his head around. He makes a, makes a play on the ball, and I'm like, thank you. It's about damn time. Like if he just gets his head around, he's involved in a lot of these plays. But again, you know, he's he's stuck in that round of rut there, and it's like I kind of I want to ask you guys this question as we look at the roster of this team now. Um, since since. Oh, let me just guess recent since 2017 right the Ravens have been known at least under Ozzie Newsom that they were able to find guys in the later rounds and they could develop them into you know pro ball type players or at least uh key contributors on either way either the side of the football how many guys can we name right now and since 2017 and the Ravens have drafted that have been key contributors to this team like we would, the Ravens have been known, uh, Dalius Thomas and um, the Darius Webb, and you know, other guys like that, that they've been able to, you know, you know, find later rounds or even undrafted and turn the key contributors. And I'm like, since the Ravens haven't, how I'm like, under the under Harbaugh since that, since 2017, how many of these rookies, like the guys that they've, they've drafted, how many of these guys have actually gotten better? I think that's a real question we got to ask. How many of these guys have actually gotten better on the field? You look at Matt Judon and Darius Smith, right? And they were here, they were making bonehead penalties and personal fouls and all kinds of stuff. And and they got they would get like six or seven sacks a year like that. They were, you know, right there on the cusp of breaking out, become some you know, premium edge rusher, but they never hit they never really got there. But then when they go to other teams, all of a sudden now they're hitting up with the sacks all of a sudden. We weren't we weren't always like that. The Ravens were the team. That if you got undrafted, the Ravens were going to unlock whatever you had in you, and we're going to unlock it, and we're going to use it. 
and you're gonna you're gonna get paid off of it. You're gonna either you stay with us or you or you move on. Lately, the Ravens have been able to do that. I'm I'm looking at these drafts. The the Ravens had us in 2017. I'm like, I don't see anybody on this on these on these these draft boards that the Ravens are. Some, a lot of these guys aren't even in the league anymore. That the Ravens are drafting. Yeah. I mean that we gotta yeah. really play. We gotta really look at that. You know, the, but the Ravens. A lot of fans have been living off of what we've done prior to 2017, what Ozzie Newsom and them were doing, and they were constantly bringing in guys and they could draft that well. They're not doing that anymore. You can't count Roquan. You can't count Marcus Peters. Those were all free agent signings, you know, or trades. You can't count those guys. You look at the guys that they have now. I mean, outside of maybe offensive linemen. You know, and maybe the running backs. But other than that, I mean, Mark Andrews. Look, I know Mark Andrews got hurt this year, but he had a down. He's had a down year this year. I know everybody keeps saying, "Oh, you know, Mark Andrews gets double team and triple team." So does Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey gets double and triple team all game, but he still finds a way. When you're that dude, you're that dude. It doesn't matter what they kind of scheme or whatever they put on. You're going to find a way to make plays. And he got 100 yards, I think, this past game. But, I mean, it didn't really matter. It didn't really make an impact on the game. Um, but I think that's something we, that needs to be looked at, you know, as, you know, what the development of these 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 draft picks have not panned out for the Ravens in the last five to six years. Um, yeah. Another thing. Especially 2019. Yes, but 2019's draft might go down as one of the worst. My gosh. Uh, another thing, I think that, you know, we had talked about this end of last year, beginning of this season. When reporters and I think other people had, you know, called into question the Ravens' strength and conditioning team after all the injuries that happened in 2020, no, 2021, um, that Harbaugh said this is going to be looked at, it's going to be addressed, and we're going to get it fixed. The guy that's the head strength and, strength and conditioning conditioning coach is still there, Steve Saunders. Correct me if maybe I'm maybe I'm in a bubble, but correct me if I'm wrong, right? Why it seems like ever since the bye week, the Ravens got 10 plus guys in the injury report every single week. Right? Every time for the last three years, the Ravens have had guys in the end of the season can't play football. Everybody's got significant injuries. The, I looked at the Bengals injury report for this game coming up this week. They only had Sam Hubbard on there, and he was still limited. One, just one injury. Is it the Ravens are drafting guys that are injury prone, or is it like what Derek Wolf said a few weeks ago on his podcast that the Ravens work these guys in the preseason to their breaking point, and then by the time they hit week ten, week twelve, whatever, they start falling apart at the end of the season? That's the question I want to ask y'all. Like, is it is it is it is it a combination? Of the Ravens, just either bad luck with drafting guys that are injury prone, or is it part of Harbaugh said he was gonna look at the, look at the conditioning thing again? I think like he, like you said, Trey before said it before Trey, these guys are a little too comfortable. They're a little too comfortable. No one's afraid of losing their job right now, and that's yeah. something I think that needs to be looked at. Like, why is it that other teams that are going into the playoffs, like the Eagles, like the 49ers, 49ers got a third-string quarterback, and they're about to lock up the, at least the, either the second seed or the first seed in the playoffs. A third-string quarterback. You have other teams that are getting ready to hit the playoffs that are fully healthy. 
And the Ravens are sitting here again, crawling into the playoffs. I want to. What, what do you got? What do you think? What do you guys think? I think it's a. I think it's a combination of a lot of the stuff you mentioned. Um, I didn't know about the strength and conditioning coach. I mean, I remember the story that came out, but I didn't realize like that's the same guy that that they have now. Um, but you know, I'm not surprised that he's not fired. I mean, that that makes more sense of why Greg Roman isn't fired. If you can't even fire the goddamn strength and conditioning coach, what makes you think you're gonna make a decision and fire Greg Roman? Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that. But I think it's a combination of that. Um, we do have a history. I feel like at this point of just drafting injury injury prone guys, and I don't know what it is. And, I, and you know, it's also been rumored. You know the way that we practice isn't really conducive to players' health either. I mean, supposedly they made a lot of changes the last couple of seasons or this season, um, but I don't know how that how that how that helped us out. Like I, I know um, in the league, like you get a set number of padded practices and things like that. I don't know if we had any left um, at this point of the season. And the Steelers, they they saved one of their padded practices to play against us. And they used it just, you know, right before the week of uh, the Steelers week, Steelers-Ravens week. So I think it's a combination of, you know, philosophy with the organization um, and everything. But they need to look at it. I mean, for, for Harbaugh to be such an analytics guy, you would think that he would sit down and look at some data and figure out what's causing these type of injuries. I mean, we can't just keep blaming it on the fields that we're traveling to. Um, because that excuse isn't going to hold up every week. I mean, everybody in the league is playing on those same fields and we're not getting as many injuries. So, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I don't know if it's something that can be proven, but you can get enough data to kind of trend enough information to figure out what's actually happening here. And the reason why we're probably not getting any answers is probably because it's the organization's fault and, and how, you know, we're either in training camp early on in the year, beating guys down pretty early, um, too often in the season, and then we're just not able to last at the end of the year. So it, it's something with the program needs to be tweaked. They claim that they tweaked it, but we're kind of getting the same result. I mean, it's not as severe as it was last year, obviously, but it's been too many games um, at this point where we are missing a crucial piece and almost every single time that crucial piece ends up being the reason why we lose a football game so um, you know who knows but the fact that they still do have that same strength and conditioning coach there and he was associated with not saying he's the blame but he was there when we had 18 to 20 players on injured reserve last season mm-hmm. and he's still here this season it's just I just, I just don't get it. I mean, I get it's the NFL, but they work just like we do. We can't go to work and, and do a horrible job and expect to keep that job. So, I just think, you know, if Harbaugh, if you can't, if you can't find a strength and conditioning coach, then, you know, it is what it is. It sounds like Harbaugh was like, we're just gonna all go out there, hope, hope it works out this year, and if not, that's all I ask. So it's gonna be, I feel like with all the coaches, man, it's just a all all or none situation and after the season if it pans out the way we think it's going to pan out uh they're all going to be gone so you know he could have made decisions early to save his job i feel like Harbaugh, but you know i and it's still possible that he comes back who knows but 
he's not making a, a good case for it. Um, just just from the lack of accountability within his own staff. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, not, I, I don't have a specific answer, but you know, it could be a combination of all those things. But you know, you know me at this point this season, you can't really tell me anything other than it's the coach's fault. So I'm, I'm going to keep blaming the coaches because we need change. Period. You know, um, <clears throat> complacency and arrogance breed mediocrity, and I feel like that's I, that's what I feel about this organization and 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 the head coach. You know, I think John Harbaugh has gotten to a place of complacency where he's he's too content. You know, being a nine, ten win team, getting bounced in the first round. You know, he's like, hey. As long as I make the playoffs, as long as I have a winning record, I have a job. EDC is okay with how this team performs and making minor adjustments to maintain that status because the Ravens are a perennial playoff team, winning team. It just feels like there's no urgency to win the Super Bowl. You know, every every sports journalist and said EDC's biggest blunder is you get an MVP player on a rookie contract. You do not secure a number one receiver for him. That's being too content. You like like you you all have said. You know the thing with the strength coach, like that's baffling. You probably have one of the most three riddled seasons in the history of the NFL and you don't make a change you have one of the most in that passing games probably in the history of the NFL minus what the Bears have um, and you haven't made a change this, this is what three or four seasons of this no, yeah. three seasons three four seasons ago we had a great offense yeah 2020 to 2022 now yeah so three seasons of this and there hasn't been one change there's no sense of urgency so I don't I don't know when it's gonna the, the failure of this franchise is they become too complacent with being a first round exit it's like we're the Toronto Raptors of the NFL like we, we're just happy to make the playoffs every year and then get bounced like it doesn't matter we're not gonna barely do, do that not, yeah splash to be better um, we're just going to keep on, you know, hoping, you know, we're, we have this great scouting departments. We find the, so we're going to keep on doing that, but we're going to keep getting the same result. We're the Toronto Raptors. Um, so I don't know when it's going to change, but I mean, Harbaugh's downfall is he just keeps on working with his buddies and EDC's downfall is he's too loyal to his buddy slash neighbor. There has to be changes. Like, Changes going forward because, like, we're getting the same exact result. This season is going the exact same way that it did, except we're going to make playoffs. And uh, I mean, think of, you think about next season, right? I mean, they're I mean, effectively, they announced um, I think about an hour ago, two hours ago, uh, that they're not going to play the, the Bills Bengals game. So that's done. It doesn't count. No contest. Um, so the, the the Bengals win the AFC North, the AFC North champs, division champs again, um, second year in a row, and the Ravens are going to finish in second place. 
you know, last season they finished in fourth. They were in last place. They got an easier schedule, and they still only looks like they're going to probably muster only 10 wins. Next season's going to be harder. You're going to face a uh, second-place schedule next season. Uh, the teams they're going to have to play, I think uh, I think you're going to play the NFC East next year. Um, well, I mean, the second-place teams are going to play. They're going to play Miami again. They're going to play the Chargers. Uh, they're going to have to play the Titans or the Jacksonville Jaguars, depending on who finishes there. They got Seattle. Uh, they're going to have to play maybe Carolina. Uh, they're going to have to play probably Green Bay <laughs> or Detroit. Like a lot of these teams are are up and up, right? This this the schedule isn't going to get easier for them. Uh, you look at the, the Bengals got their guy in Joe Burrow. Deshaun Watson is probably going to be a better quarterback next year after he gets a goes in the training camp next season. Uh, Kenny Pickett's going to probably be a better quarterback next season. I don't know if he's going to be great, but he's going to be a better quarterback next season. Like, uh, I was listening to Nitty Gritty, and they were talking about it's an eerie feeling that going into next year, the Ravens are going to be the only team in the AFC North that doesn't have a quarterback, like, under contract. Everybody else has got a guy either on a rookie contract or on a long-term deal. Ravens are the only one trying to sign their MVP quarterback to a deal. And uh, I was I was texting some friends and they were asking me, they were asking me like, Miles, what's it going to take for John Harbaugh to get fired? And one of my friends made it before I was able to say it, made a good point. He was like, it's, the Ravens are going to probably have to miss the playoffs two years in a row for, for John Harbaugh to get fired. That's what it's going to take. That's what it was in 2017. I mean, in 2018, that was going to be what, the second year. I think they'll miss the playoffs. And he was about to let that go. And then Lamar Jackson saves his saves his career. I'll tell you this. This past weekend was a bad Harbaugh weekend. You see John Har- Jim Harbaugh lose to TCU. Right? I know TCU is a, re- is a, it was a very good team this season. They weren't even ranked when the season even started in college football. Um, but people in Michigan, people who are Michigan fans and the Michigan football, like um, journalists and people on the radio, are embarrassed by that loss. Like Michigan lost to TCU. Like they're they're embarrassed. And here it's another hardball special, right? He got to the playoff and got bounced in the first round. Got bounced. Looks like John's going to do the same thing. And a lot of, some somebody made a good point. Like it's it's, it's kind of I guess John Harbaugh got lucky facing his brother in the Super Bowl. Somebody had to lose, right? <laughs> Somebody had to lose that game <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Um, so, um, no, it's, it's the culture of this team has gotten to be like we're the Chicago Bears, like we're Detroit, like we're Atlanta, like we're the Cardinals and the Texans. Like, we're fine as long as we make the playoffs. I feel like that's what Harbaugh just says to the team when we get into the season. When they start their meetings off at the beginning of the year, let's just make the playoffs and see what happens. That's literally how that's literally how Harbaugh operates. I think he just he just like you said like you said they just they hope things work out. They're not going to make any adjustments. They're not going to do anything to fix anything during the season. Make adjustments here and there. They're just going to hope that everything works out the way they're supposed to work out. Maybe we get lucky this year. You know, maybe we get lucky. Maybe. In the playoffs, Joe Burrow gets an ACL tear or something 
uh, in the game against uh, against the Ravens or something. And, you know, maybe Johnny Patrick Mahomes' arm flies off or something, off his shoulder or something. Like, it's like they're literally hoping for other things to happen to everybody else so that the Ravens can just walk to the Super Bowl. That's literally how it works. We're working for Harbaugh. They're not doing anything um, to prepare this team. I don't want to hear next season anybody say that the Ravens are a Super Bowl contender, especially if they don't have a good offseason this this offseason. They're a playoff contender. They're the Buccaneers, right? They're the Giants. They're the Jaguars. They may get a lower seed or whatever. They may get a seventh or sixth seed, but they're not going to do any damage in the the actual playoffs. Now, I ask this question. Get out of here. I think it's a question now because we're only – the Lamar's not going to be playing this week. We already know that. This is the end of this end of the season. Likely not playing uh, in the playoff game in Wild Card Weekend. Well, the Wild Card Weekend. Um, what do you get now? I mean, we had different thoughts beginning of the season. What do you think happens in the offseason with Lamar Jackson and this, and this Ravens team? Like, what do you think really think happened? I think it's going to be it's going to be. Greg Roman or Lamar Jackson. I think I think the chance is higher for Lamar wanting to continue negotiations if Greg Roman is gone. I think the chances are a little higher. I'm not saying a lot higher, but I think the chances are a little better if he's gone. Um, if he's not gone, I don't think there's a chance that Lamar stays. And I, and I almost want to say if, if Harbaugh is gone, um, but if the whole regime is gone, I don't know what the incentive will be for Lamar to stay with Baltimore if all of these other teams would gladly pay him more than what he's even asking for. So it, it I think, I think, I think at this point we're at 60% tagging Lamar and trading him away and we're at like 40% of them working this thing out the Ravens have a very slim chance of making this right and they have a, a very small window to do it in so this is just going to depend on if they just shoot, decide to act or not are they going to continue to do what they've been doing and let this thing linger or are you going to take action? And, you know, if they can go ahead and let this playoff game decide their minds up for them if they want to, but it might be too late. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if 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 I'm Lamar Jackson, if I'm him, and, I, and pretty much I got the key to whatever city I want, damn near, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue. I'm not going to step on the field and I'm going to make plans to go elsewhere. I'm going to demand a trade. If I'm him, if I'm speaking with my heart as a Ravens fan, I will want him to work it out. And I hope, I hope he does. But if the Ravens don't get him, give him anything to bite, bite on, then it's what's his incentive on staying? And just the way that the culture has been, the things, the stuff that's working out, the stubbornness of the coaches, the lack of accountability, the lack of evolution and creativity in the offense and, and, you know, 
at this point, as good as it started off with us, you know, they were bragging in 2019. The Ravens were the perfect team to draft Lamar. They put him in a perfect position to succeed, this, that, and the third. And then they realized, like, oh, that was really just an on-the-fly offense. Like, that was really just, you know, the league not knowing what, what, what Lamar Jackson was and what he was capable with for and just calling plays that he used to call in San Francisco. The same 15 plays. Mm-hmm. That's what he—he's—he's he's pretty much using the same basic offense he's been using, and I, you know, obviously teams are going to catch up to that to the game plan, but I don't think they've caught up to Lamar's skills. I think Lamar can, can still be the same athlete he was from 2019 and throw the ball a lot better. But our game plan is just—it's—it's it's shot. Our game plan is completely shot. If I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm going wherever the bag takes me, and I don't care if that if that if that's you know if the bag ends up being Baltimore and we come to our senses, then that's what I'm saying. Miami offers me something crazy, I'm gonna first lay out it, flight out of there. So, you know, it, it's gonna drag on because we still gonna have to tag them first, I guess. Um, so who, who knows how long it'll take? But as, as much as it pains me to say, I, I think. I think we're I think we're leaning at sixty percent that he's not going to be here. Um, it might be a lot higher than that, but I'm just speaking from my heart right now. And you know, obviously, I want him to stay, and and for um, the organization to to get their stuff together. Um, it's really it's really no deal um, that I think would make me feel better <laughs> about getting rid of Lamar or trading him out. Um, especially not, you know, before the NFL, before the draft and everything. It's really no no deal. I mean, obviously, if we get a, a gang of first round picks, then you know that that's nice. But the problem is, it's not like we've been the, the best drafting team over the last several years anyway. So that doesn't right. impress me. Right. And Lamar is a generational talent. You just don't get him in every draft. So, um, yeah. That's what I think happens. I think, I think we 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 end up tagging and trading him, um, more likely than not. But you know, best case scenario, I I hope that the organization just comes to their senses after the season, no matter what happens in this playoff game, and they throw him the bag. I mean, this whole last part of the season that we're going through now is showing you why Lamar is an MVP type player. To go from the metric you mentioned earlier of us averaging 28 points with them and 18 points, 16 points without them, that should tell you right there, we don't have any other answers. So pay up. Um, I have a similar take, um, Trey. I think it it does is more likely ending up in a trade. Uh, I see it being ugly and nasty this offseason I, I see we're gonna hear way more lies about Lamar as leverage um, I think Lamar is in a fight for guaranteed contracts for all players I think that's a blind thing to this whole ordeal but I think it's gonna be ugly I think um, they're gonna do whatever to get more leverage be so much criticism we're going to hear every talk show every media person talking about what Lamar can't do again 
on a higher level and I think there's going to be attacks on his character I think it's going to lead to the place where Lamar requests um, starts negotiating with other teams or he'll attempt to um, I don't know if you came before they franchise tag you but I think what ends up happening um, is we'll get franchise tag and then he requests um, I see him going I honestly can see it being a flip with Miami I honestly can um that's where we go. I think we're going to see it ugly. I don't, I don't, I see the Ravens being in a bad place for next season. You know, I hate to be negative, but I just think that's where it's gone. I think we have put such a bad taste in Lamar's mouth. I can't see him not attempting to go elsewhere. So, yeah. I was going to throw in the fact that also his, uh, the negotiations is also involving the NFLPA and yeah, that connection alone makes this, you know, I expect it, like you said, Travis, for it not to be a clean, squeaky negotiation. It's going to be, it's going to be nasty because like you said, it's a whole lot of stuff riding on it outside of him just getting signed to a contract. He, he is moving to, to, to kind of, he is moving towards like moving that needle like shaking things up in the league and if he gets signed to that deal that kind of confirms the market um the market yep. shift going forward for years to come so um you know I, it, it it's also tough because Deshaun Watson uh he looks okay <laughs> but he doesn't yeah. look like 240 million dollars <laughs> No. So that, that's also not helping Lamar's case right now. And I think that's that's going to kind of contribute to us dealing him away. Um, I don't think we're going to tag him without having that conversation. I think if he does get tagged, I think they're, you know, they'll already have negotiated that there will be no deal. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's just going to be the formality of it. They're going to tag him and, and, and trade him. But, um, yeah. I just just want to throw that out there, like the fact that you know, yes, he's agentless, but is he? <laughs> yeah, like you know, he's still he's still he's yeah, in, yeah. the NFLPA in his favor. Yeah, the NFLPA yeah. working in his favor, so I'm pretty sure he got agents there <laughs> working with the NFLPA. Yeah. So, um, but you but you know what is leverage though, and I hate to say this, this situation that happened this week is going to provide a lot of leverage towards guaranteed contracts. Oh yeah, and I yeah. think. I think, you know, based upon the video that um, you all posted in the chat, I think it was Trey. Yeah, they're going to push for more stuff for players because what what Demar Hamlin's future looks like is going to be very important. So I, that adds leverage to guaranteed contracts. That's all I just want to say real quick. That's absolutely. That's a good point you brought up. Um, you, you guys mentioned Miami. The only thing about the tricky thing about Miami is that they don't have a first round pick in 2023. Um, they lost that because of that tampering investigation um, from the offseason. So they don't have a first-round pick. Um, so that that it would they would have to get some play. It would be one of those where they would have to like y'all got to give us either Tariq Hill or Jalen Model for that for the full Lamar. It'd be one of those situations um, to get to get Lamar then Miami. It's still it's still possible. The thing is, they're so, still popular. They're already paying Tariq, so like, why not pay Lamar too, right? I mean. Those receivers would be sick if they got traded to uh, to Baltimore with no quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> they would be they would be sick. 
And uh, I um, think that's that's the other point is I think some people are starting to come around to and some people even on the Ravens media and local media have said that when you look at the guys coming in the draft this year, I think what uh, the quarterbacks in the draft that are going to be in the draft this year aren't anything really to write home about. Like CJ Stroud, I think is going to be the top guy, uh, but he's been falling down the draft boards a lot, I think, lately. Um, uh, was the other guy, I think, from Alabama, Bryce Young. He's a small quarterback. He's like 5'10". Uh, he, he's another, another, like another Tua. He could be very injury prone, all that other stuff. So I'm just like, like you said, Trey, it's like you, you got a generational quarterback. Unlike the Packers who went from from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then the Colts went from what? Peyton Manning to, to Andrew Luck. Um, that doesn't happen often where you can just have a, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback for 15 plus years and then go right to an all-star rookie quarterback. It doesn't happen that way. When you look around the rest of the league, um, it's taken, you look at a lot of teams, right, that have been devoid. Uh, look at the Broncos right now, since Peyton Manning retired. They've been trying to find that magic for the last six years. Can't find it. And that's Trevor Russell Wilson for the next five. So there's no guarantee you go into the draft and you find Lamar's replacement. You know? Like when they traded Hollywood Brown, they were like, oh, we're going to find his replacement. They haven't found it. When you got a certain kind of talent, I'm not saying Hollywood was that kind of talent, but when you said when you have a certain kind of talent, you you pay the talent when you got them. You don't hope and pray that that guy's going to be the guy. Look at look, look at Tennessee. They trade away A.J. Brown and they got Traylon Burks. I don't know if he's going to be A.J. Brown, but he wasn't this year. <laughs> he was hurt a good portion of the season. I don't know if he's going to be that guy. He's ever going to be that guy. But you had AJ Brown in the building, so it's one of those. When you've got a guy like that in the building, you can't just let them walk, right? So, I think a few things have to happen for Lamar. I think Greg Roman has to get fired. They can't wait a week for that. I'm like, the season's over. You get knocked out by whether the Bills or the Bengals, depending on who they play. Uh, you get knocked out in the first round. That Monday. Things need to start happening. You cannot wait. Between the end of the season, between that, you got January until what, March 3rd, to get things moving before Lamar becomes a, officially a free agent. You have to tag him. You don't have a lot of time to get things done. You need to start making changes right then. If we see a week, two weeks, three weeks go by and the Ravens are doing nothing, I, I agree with y'all. I, I think at that point, Lamar's like, they don't really, they don't, they're not investing in me. They're not investing in this team. Uh, they're just comfortable making the playoffs. And Lamar, Lamar said it when he came, when he got drafted. I'm here to win Super Bowls. This team's not here to win Super Bowls. I want out. So I, I can't blame Lamar for that. Um, but a lot of things are going to have to happen. Also, does EDC get pressure from Steve Bashotti like they did in 2014 when they hired Gary Kubiak? Like, they, they do they take that, that hiring... Uh, prop that that hiring right away from John Harbaugh and say we're picking the next OC. You're not picking them. We're picking them. Because Harbaugh tends to pick guys that um, that are non-threatening to his job, right? He usually picks offensive coordinators that are very non-threatening to him in his job. I, I think that EDC, if he wants his job, like Ozzy did in 2014, Ozzy was like, "Nah, we're picking the next OC. You're not picking them." That there's there's a few things going to have to happen. Harbaugh's going to give up some some rights, 
in picking picking court picking coaching staff and things have to change because I don't know it's not being said right now but the last few weeks you can really clearly feel the team they don't feel like a team like they feel like a bunch of guys that's wearing the same jersey right now you know what I'm saying like they, yep. they don't feel like a unit and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I think they, the, whatever the head coach comes in and he comes in and says it during pregame or says it during postgame a lot of them probably in their lockers putting their stuff away putting their phones away putting their hats on and walking out while he's talking I, mean, I ain't trying to hear this shit <laughs> I'm out I don't want to hear this no more it's, it's week 15 dog it's week 16 like, yeah. I ain't trying to hear this mess, man. We done. Like, especially especially the offense, right? The defense, maybe. But the offense, especially, is like, no, we ain't trying to hear this, man. I'm pretty sure Sean Jackson's like, I should have just stayed on my damn couch, man, for all this. I should have stayed at yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's done. I mean, after this year, he, we won't see him again. Oh, he's done. Yeah, he's <laughs> no. done. But, um, yeah. now, look, with, with everything being considered, with, like I said, with the, they're not going to play the Bills Bengals game. Um, so this game for the Ravens is irrelevant. Bengals Ravens. They're stuck at the sixth seat. They're not going anywhere. Um do you go think they go ahead and just rest with we'll rest guys? The ones that are healthy. Like there's, there's no uh, reason. They're locked in. You said they they're locked in the sixth seat. They're locked into the sixth seat. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, with with them announcing that the um that they're not playing the Bills Bills, Bills uh Bengals game, the Ravens are locked in. Their opponent could change based on if the Bills win their game and if the Bengals lose or whatever, you know, that that kind of goes yeah, in hand. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, but mean, the Ravens are locked into the sixth seed. Nothing changes for the Ravens at this point. Oh, the, the locked Ravens are locked in. Uh, does the seeding, can the seeding change for the, for the for the Bengals? Yeah. So the, if the Bengals win and the Bills lose, then the Bengals move to the second seed and they'll play okay. the Patriots. Uh, if okay. the Bills, if the Bills win and the Bengals, if the Bills win and the Bengals win, then the Bengals play us. The Bills have apparently, I think, have the better record or something like that. Have more wins, um, so yeah, they'll play. That, they'll, they would play uh, the second seed. They'll be the second seed. Yeah, I think. I think the Bills are just going to try to embarrass us in the first half and then sit everybody down. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's going to be what 30, 30 to nothing, twenty eight to nothing. That'll be my guess. Even if it's not, I think um, they're going to, you know, let the guys go out, play a quarter or two, and no matter, sit them down. You know, yeah. As long as long as they're not losing a game. I think they'll sit everybody. I think they would still want to win the game, though, but I don't think they care that much. No, I don't think. I just say it doesn't change anything for the Ravens, so. Um, yeah, they are especially winning the division and everything already. Like, it's, yeah. I, I, would, I wouldn't risk it if I was them. I wouldn't waste it on a Lamar Jacksonless Ravens, but, you know, that's me. Yeah, so. Just come out and work on the passing game. Yeah. Just, do the, just yeah. throw 50 passes, right? Just work on all the passing attack, right? <laughs> Don't need to run yeah, the ball. We, just, just we, know, the ball. we know what we got. We're running. We already know what we got. We're running the ball. We let's throw some new plays in there, right? Let's throw some new plays. Yeah, let's, let's, let's open let, the ball. Let's seal the, let's seal the deal on this Greg Roman firing this week. Let's just seal the deal. <laughs> Go out there Mark Andrews, that quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> run the ball on 4th um, and 30. Let's do, let's do some stuff like that. Let's just seal the deal. Let's so, just make sure he's out of there. All right, so, so I mean, since this game doesn't matter for the Ravens, um, I'm not really going to get into it. But what what are you guys? What's your score? Yeah, I guess the yeah. last 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 regular season game of the season. What's your score, man? Man, I don't know. <laughs> 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 let me. Uh, I guess. Uh, let's say. Uh, um, it, it depends on you know what they choose to do. I think. I, I don't think we score more than 
16 points this week. I feel like the, the, it's always been 16 to 13 for the past. I feel like we, that number's been on our score a lot. Um, I think we scored no more than 16 points. Probably uh, probably a touchdown, a couple, and then a bunch of field goals after that. And the Bengals put up uh, about 35 points on us. And only reason they don't put up more is because they probably sit everybody early. Right. That's my guess. Now, now if they sit, if they sit, uh, if they sit, um, Joe Burrow down, you know, early, then, you know, I, I think I, I still respect our defense, even though we had a horrible week last week. Um, I do respect our defense a little bit more than that. If if Burrow sits, so, um, but I, I'll I'll stick with that score, assuming that that scenario was what's what's going to happen. So I'll say thirty. What did I say? Thirty. 32, 30, 30, 35, 35, 16. 35, 16, 35, 16. I lock that in. I'm going to have a little bit more respect for our defense and a little disrespect for our offense. I say, 20, <laughs> I say 24 to 9. That's the score. We get three field goals. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think defense going to get. See, I think our defense is good enough. Like, I think we got the third scoring defense in the league, and the so I think we can hold our own against Cincinnati defensively. You know, I just wouldn't trust us in a close game. But um, I just I, think they're gonna be worn out. <laughs> I that's think true. Be tired that's true. Just from just from the offense is not helping them at all. But yeah, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm right around. I'm right in the same uh, same uh, neighborhood with you, Travis. I'm gonna pick uh, Bengals twenty-one, Ravens six. Kick two field goals. Call the night. <laughs> Which I'm happy about. It's a one o'clock game, so I had to get, get it over. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna watch this game. I'm not gonna watch it. I'm not, I previews. I'm not gonna watch this game. They should have. I mean, watch the first Thursday, one. So we didn't have to deal with this. Right. <laughs> just put the games nobody. Now, honestly, the NFL should do that end of the season. Just put all the trash games like on like ESPN Thursday. ESPN start them. Start them at. Start them at like four, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> and yeah. just let them run. And then like just have yeah. the games we want to watch on Saturday and Sunday for the last like games that matter. You know. Yeah. I just want to see Andy. Andy Andy no, Isabella, I don't want to. I don't want to ever me. see Andy Isabella ever again on the football field. <laughs> he can, he can, he, I don't ever want to see him with the ball in his hands ever. That was the worst looking reverse I've ever seen. I, I could have. It could have been me out there running that reverse. I'm like, he, he was no faster than me, bro. Like, it, it looked bad, and he looked like he wanted to fumble. Like, he just got that look in his eye. Like, I'm, I, I can't wait to get us up. Like, no, nah, I, I don't want to ever see that again. I'm, I'm cool with him. <laughs> the fact, the fact yeah. that we got him and he can't even, like, field a punt, like, it's crazy. Like, what are you here for? Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. It's the last uh, Purple Friday for the regular season, and then we'll we'll do one before the uh, playoffs. We'll see who we get to play. It's either the Bills or the Bengals. Um, I'll say this. With uh, the Hamlin situation the way it is right now, if they play the Bills, I don't know if I want to watch that game. Like... <laughs> The, the emotion that that fan base is going to have and the team's going to have because I'm pretty sure look if they, if they could muster it up they would get at least some video of him like in the hospital like writing on something saying go Bills you know like that and just have it shown on the big the big screen that crowd would go crazy the players would yeah. go crazy Bramley fans are like you might as well pack and go home now dog mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be a wrap 
the the, word, the best case scenario for the Ravens would be to play the Bengals just because of familiarity. That's I it. don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Bengals still beat the crap out of us twice last year. Like, yeah. I I, I, I'm cool on that, and they're a better team this year. I feel like they got, yeah. I don't know. I'm. I don't want to see neither one of them. I just know that we played the Bills already and only lost by three. Granted, we had you know. So right. I, I I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind either or. I just feel like for some reason I just think the Bengals like. I don't want to set them on a crazy run straight back to the Super Bowl. Like, I just feel yeah. like we'd be a straight springboard for them to like just go off the rest of the playoffs. Right. I feel like the Bills, the going up in, in Buffalo. I feel like, you know, I I don't know. I I just I just have a little bit more faith against the Bills. I trust them a little bit less than I trust uh, the Bengals in in their high powered offense. But <laughs> we'll, we'll either, either yeah. way, it, it's. It's not looking pretty for us. No, no matter what. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. We'll we'll catch you guys uh playoff weekend. It's officially Festivus. If you I guess we can call it Festivus <laughs> for the Ravens. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> we gonna, we're gonna see. Yeah, it's gonna be, we'll it's gonna be, see. It's gonna be anything right. can happen, right? Anything can happen. Oh, and anything will happen. Trust me. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll talk to you guys next Friday. Peace. Peace.